guess I could come out of retirement. No. No need. Just a recommendation will do. All right. I'll do it. You know, you're just not what we're looking for. You sly son of a bitch. You always knew how to push my buttons. I'm in. Not you, Decker. Good morning and welcome to episode 345 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballProspectus.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Good. Looking at pictures of Pablo Sandoval. Looks good. He does. I feel like Looks real good. this is an off-season ritual, sort of, where we look at pictures of Pablo Sandoval looking, looking skinny, and then at some point during the season, he no longer looks that way, but... But yes, for the moment, looking good. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's a lot of sitting being a Major League Baseball player, right? I mean, he's got to fly a lot. He's got to, um, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of their job is just sitting around waiting for games to start. In, in the offseason, he can work out. In the regular season, it's just sitting around and eating, eating the spread. <laughs> and no working out. Eating cookies, a lot of cookies. Not allowed to work out during the regular season. How do you feel not being in the winter meetings uh, this year? Do you do you do you feel like after last year that that is your place? Uh, sort of. I yeah, I did go last year, but I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you went you went last year, and all we talked about is how pointless it was and why we didn't understand why you were there. Right. But on the other on the other hand, I I do wonder if that's the new normal, and now you're like, like like feeling like you're actually missing things. Uh, I'm missing socializing with other baseball writers. I feel like that's sort of the, you know, isn't that, that's kind of the reason that a lot of people go is just to catch up with other people. Cause I mean, there's, there's no reason to fly somewhere so you can sit in a big room and, and write about a trade or a signing, which so far hasn't really even happened. Um, so I, I don't know, you kind of go to, to, to be there, to be seen. It, it seems to me. I'm sure I'll I'll go to winter meetings again in the future. Just really didn't happen this year. That is a that is a bold statement of confidence in your future. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I'm I'm 97 sure that I will be unemployed by the next winter meetings. <laughs> well, I might go as a job seeker. That's true. Uh, all right, so. Uh, this is not what we're going to talk about, but um, one of the only bits of news that came out of it today, it wasn't even news, but it was a rumor so so well established, so well sourced, uh, that it you know is practically news, unlike many rumors which you just feel are, are being floated around for amusement. Um, but the Mark Trumbo you know, trade, trade talks with Arizona, um, and in particular this um, sort of, it sounds like, offer um, of... Tyler Skagg, or I don't know, so I don't know if it's an offer or what, but Tyler Skaggs for Mark Trumbo, which the Angels have said they they wouldn't they wouldn't do, and uh, that seems to be a trade that has a proposal that has uh, uh, a lot of um, I don't know a lot of confident people on each side um, mm. saying that it it should you know it's it's an obvious trade or it's an obvious horrible trade, and, and I guess more people are thinking that this would. This is a, a dumb thing for the Angels to turn down. Mm-hmm. That this is exactly the sort of um, you know youth youthful pitcher that they need. They have essentially no youth um, in their pitching staff, and no no youthful pitchers in their their farm system. It's like the it's the obvious flaw in their organization right now. And Skaggs has got you know like 
four seconds of service time, and um, you know he's he's a he's a recent elite prospect, mm-hmm. um, and he's cheap, and mm-hmm. they're trying to also you know get cheap. So, do you think it's as as obvious as it, I guess more people than than don't think it is? Uh, yeah, it seems odd to me. It, it it doesn't seem as odd as the one we talked about last year, the the Brett Anderson. Non-trade. Oh, I know. I was just thinking about that. (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Yeah. What what was that? The A's. It was supposedly right, right, right. It was after after Shields. uh, Passan said that they had turned down Anderson for Will Myers. Uh huh. Yeah. So so that was that's I guess harder to understand, but but yeah, you'd you'd think that that the Angels would want Skaggs. I mean sort of a, a major league ready guy that they could plug in and he's 22 and Trumbo, you know, because never really fit perfectly there and he's kind of moved around and and DePoto has traded for Tyler Skaggs before, so he he must have liked him at one time. I, it's, it's a little surprising to me. But Skaggs hasn't done anything good in the big leagues yet. I mean, he's no. he's like say he's only twenty two, so mm-hmm. that's that's you know maybe that's irrelevant. But on the other hand, um, you know, a, a lot of times pitchers' best stuff is when they're twenty two. Mm-hmm. And he had a you know he had a poor year this year in um, in the minors. He had a you know something like a five ERA in in AAA, and you know his velocity's down. His velocity never really even. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, his velocity never even really got to where it, it was kind of projected to be. He was he was a, a long, lanky guy with a lot of projection when he was mm-hmm. in in A ball, and there was this idea that he was going to be you know up at 95 when he he reached maturity, and he never really did. And he's as I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like you know he's around 89, 90 right now, which yep. is. He was like, drafted that's... in our in our soft tossing starters draft. Oh right, exactly. And so eighty nine ninety for a starting pitcher for a pitching prospect is kind of the equivalent of DH prospect. You know, mm-hmm. like you know he's in AAA and he's already a DH. There's nowhere to go for him but down. It's like practically Le- impossible yeah. that left handed. He... But still, yeah, no, I mean, right, and a DH could be Edgar Martinez. It's mm-hmm. just that it has to work out exactly perfectly, and that's when you start getting, you know, the comps that Goldstein would get super mad at, the Burley or the or the Moyer comps, where it's like, yeah, there's nine billion left-handers throwing 89, and you know, one of them turns out to be, you know, a career guy. So um, I don't know. I sort of wonder whether we. Um, uh, whether we're too slow to pick up the decline um, in pitchers, um, that we, uh, I don't know, that we just are constantly thinking like, well, they, they've established a level of talent and, and it's an easy fix to get back to that level of talent. Um, but, um, and I kind of wanted, I'm thinking about this partly because of Roy Halliday, which is what we're going to talk about. But like, I wonder if it's just, instead of looking at Skaggs and seeing what he was in 2012, I wonder if like 90% of what we see uh, what we should be thinking about a pitcher is like the last four months, and mm-hmm. like we just don't nearly wait the recency enough. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he rates on prospect lists. Cause he was he was between ten and twenty on I think just about every list last year. He was seventeen on the baseball prospectus list, and I think uh, lo- lower on some of the others. Um, I, I think he might be uh, out of prospect innings. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's yeah. He, okay. Um, so yeah. Nick Piacoro, um had a tweet where he basically said, you know, 
the Angels have one bullet, and if they used it on a guy who's you know a, a potential flame out, like they would have no bullets, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, uh, right? It's not as though they have four starters and they're looking for an upside guy. They have two starters. They mm-hmm. they they last year they tried to go with the kind of gamble moves and it really turned out terribly i mean they need innings they need competent innings they basically need jason vargas if they could trade trumbo for jason vargas that's probably what they should do mm-hmm. which would be a weird trade to make but <laughs> yeah she's under contract with another team yeah <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it's an obstacle he signed like 40 <laughs> yeah like that he just signed yeah. uh anyway roy halliday mark Pryor, both mm-hmm. retired today I went looking through the BP archives trying to find an article that talked about both of them at the same time around 2003. Uh I couldn't find one. I was disappointed. (laughs) I thought it would be, it would make for a nice little thing, but I, I, there actually were a lot of articles that mentioned them both, but never in the same sentence. But, um, what was, this is not that interesting, but what was slightly interesting is that, um, that like in 2003, 2004, they kept coming up in, uh, under the knife columns, Will Carroll's injuries columns. And I, I mean, you know, you know that Pryor was like, things were just starting to, to unravel for him physically in 2004. And it was kind of interesting to see that at the time, Halliday was dealing with shoulder injuries. Pryor had this kind of elbow thing that the Cubs were waving off and saying, oh, if we needed him today, he could pitch. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. We don't exactly know what it is, but it's not a big deal. It's not all these other things that we were worried about. So everything's good. And uh, there's reading those, you would have had the sense at the time that um, Pryor was a lot better bet to throw 2,000 more innings than Halliday. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, I believe, oh no, I guess they both were considered good mechanics guys at the time and efficient. So um, yeah, anyway, so Halliday retired in uh, at the end of something like a Hall of Fame career, and Pryor retired at the end of the saddest, most disappointing <laughs> career this side of Ryan Taylor. Yeah, that was quite a quite a an end to to it. He really just sort of played out the string in a series of minor league appearances and seasons where he didn't really appear. And kind of, it would have been nice if he had gotten back just briefly, even um, after putting in all that time, but didn't happen. So now apparently he's going to be a front office guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am surprised he didn't make it back um, in any in any capacity in the majors over the last like four years because he 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 kept working and mm-hmm. he had he had a few like you know he had a few months where he was healthy and he was he was in the bullpen so it's like one of those it's the sort of thing where he could have stepped into a big league bullpen you know, on 10 minutes notice, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, it's not like he had to, you don't have to do much to be worth a spot in a major league bullpen for a day. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I would have thought that maybe some team would have done it partly out of curiosity and partly out of upside and partly because they genuinely needed a reliever for a day mm-hmm. and partly just like to do a good thing, you know, like it would have, mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been kind of a good thing if prior had gotten one game back. In fact, now that I'm am saying this, I actually think the league let him down. That dude worked like crazy. I mean, he was it was actually more depressing that he was trying and working hard because I don't try and work that hard at anything. And if I had if I mean the fact that he kept persevering 
for this sort of sad hopelessness that went nowhere. Um, I, I, I feel like he deserves a, a day. If that, yeah. if that guy on the Marlins got in a bat. I was just going to say, yeah, if Adam Greenberg can get in a bat, then, uh, then why not Mark Pryor? And why not in, Mark Pryor? <laughs> in 2012, he, he pitched 25 innings for Pawtucket and struck out 38 guys. Uh, and I wonder, I don't remember, but it looks like he pitched his last minor league game that year on August 15th. Maybe he got hurt right before rosters expanded. And if he if he had been healthy in September, maybe he would have gotten a shot. I don't know what the timing was there. Um, yeah. But yeah, clearly he had something left when he was on the mound. He was still striking out guys. 2011, he pitched 12 innings and struck out 15 guys and walked four over various levels in the Yankees organization. And yeah, I mean... 2010, 11, 12, and 13, he pitched professionally uh, and was was somewhat effective when he did. So yeah, it is sort of surprising that he didn't get a shot. So uh, so that was seven years. He he worked seven years after his last major league appearance uh, to to try to come back. Hmm. And uh, and he did every and every every game he pitched. Uh, he had to be the sad focus of everybody's attention. I mean, this is, yeah. it's not just that he did the workouts. And I mean, it is, it, everything pitchers tell you is coming back from surgery, coming back from any injury. It's like, it's really brutal rehab. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's hard work. It's boring work. It's lonely work. And it's painful work. And he did that repeatedly. But also, every time he stepped on a mound, it was just people being sad for him in front, you know, like to his face. And that's hard too. I mean, I imagine that's the hardest, you know, probably the hardest part of it in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that he pitched in uh, Louisville this year. That That's news to me. I knew about Pawtucket, mm -hmm. um, but I had no idea he was even in the Reds. How does he not get a call up? How does he, How do the Reds not call him up? For a day, you know, for just a look at least. I mean, they call it, the Reds probably went through 37 guys this year yeah i don't i don't know maybe his his i mean he only pitched nine and two-thirds innings maybe whatever stretch that he was healthy coincided with a time when they just didn't have a spot on the 40 man or i don't know um yeah it's sort of too bad mm. uh so hall of famer or no <laughs> prior i don't think so but uh, right. But Halliday, yes, I think. I think uh, so. Well, the thing, everything has gotten so screwed up. Halliday, right. five years ago would have been a no-doubter. Mm -hmm. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have thought twice. But, I mean, I'm in a place where I've talked myself out of Craig Biggio. And, um, you know, I mean, he's, I, I would say that I would, pro I would definitely pick Kevin Brown over Halliday as it stands. And I would probably pick Mosina over Halliday as it as it stands and mm -hmm. Brown didn't even get 5% in his first vote mm -hmm. and Musina is like sort of near the bottom of a crowded ballot right mm -hmm. now. So Halliday seems like a no brainer to me until I start comparing him to other guys that aren't in the hall of fame. And so it kind of has messed things up. Yeah. He has the, he has the higher peak, I would think. Um, than who Musina? Uh, Probably than either of those guys, right? I I don't know. Maybe not. But he won a couple Cy Young awards. He he had he had three three eight win seasons, and, and Brown had two eight win seasons. Uh huh. Neither one had a nine win season. 
and Messina? Did he have any? Uh, um, I don't know. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like I'm almost uh, more of a peak value guy than a career value guy when it comes to pitchers. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, see, maybe... I would be the opposite. For a hitter, I definitely would be. Uh-huh. For a pitcher, I'm not sure I would. For a pitcher, it just seems like that um, innings are so valuable, and it actually feels to me like I would be more surprised, or I guess I, I would be less surprised to find out that uh, that you know our standard uh, win value metrics undervalue innings than overvalue them. Yes, that's like, true. Because the sort of the, the cascade kind of effects and. Uh, I mean, you know, for all you know, like if you think about it, the, if you think about the things that aren't incorporated, I mean, let's say, and this is this is maybe it's a stretch, but I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Um, every inning you throw is an inning that another pitcher doesn't have to throw, and every inning that another pitcher throws is an inning he's more likely to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for all we know, Chris Carpenter, I don't know if the timing works, but for all we know, Chris Carpenter had surgery because. When he was in the Blue Jays system, Roy Halladay was terrible and therefore couldn't pitch those innings. And Chris Carpenter had to pitch those innings and missed, you know, two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no, none of that's going to line up. Don't fact check that. But <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point that um, that innings are really valuable. They're super valuable, like on their own. And they might even be more valuable than we give them credit for. So mm-hmm. for, for me, a longevity argument for a pitcher is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you look up Messina yet? One eight-win season. Uh-huh. But right. also, goodness gracious, 80, 83 wins to Halliday's 65. Yeah. So, huge gap. Yeah. He should be in. I like Mike Messina. That's, like the, that's, the, like, that's the difference between like Larry Walker and Ray Durham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a big difference. Or so. Roughly. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, the point I was making earlier, um, the last time I wrote about Halliday was in uh, summer of 2012, late in the year, when I wrote about his zero complete game season mm-hmm. and how it was this sort of singular quality of Roy Halliday that he threw more complete games than any team in baseball. And um, even though he was having, you know, in, in some ways uh, a good year, he, this one thing about him had just completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I use that to say that, you know, we had seen the end of Roy Halladay as the, um, you know, Hall of Fame ace that we had come to know. He was probably just going to be really good. But at the end, I say he's still a really good pitcher. He might even be a great pitcher. And, like, looking back, I mean, that was that was wrong. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> he was not that at all. He was bad. Uh, he was a bad pitcher. He was one, He was maybe the worst pitcher in baseball this year. For the second time in his career, that's one of the weirdest things about being about his Hall of Fame career. Is this might have been the second time in his career that he was the worst pitcher in baseball. Um, and uh, so it got me thinking about uh, how quickly it went south. And of course, this can happen with any pitcher. Every you know every every pitch could be the one that does something to your arm. Um, but when I was looking at Halliday at the time, I saw a guy who had a, a good fit, and his, his all of his numbers had shown some decrease, and his ERA was much higher, but I thought, ah, he's got a good fit, and mm-hmm. guys with good fits are still good pitchers, and um, I kind of think that when guys are on the decline, 
I have a hypothesis that when guys are declining, their FIP might actually lag some of their other indicators. Mm-hmm. That there there might be an intermediate step in an intermediate stage whereby they are able to do things that fool us. And maybe it's just a sample size thing. I mean, samples, the fit is as prone to fluctuation or it's still prone to fluctuation as anything else. And so uh, just as a guy's ERA could be flukishly high, his fit could be flukishly low, even if he's not as good as his fit says he is. He might have actually produced those stats but not be that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I mean, you know, fit is... You can pitch to FIP. There are there are certain ways that you can basically be a better FIP pitcher than an ERA pitcher if you don't care about getting hit, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder whether on the decline slope that guys have, they um, uh, the the particular the particular way that they stay relevant in the league as they hold on to their last few innings uh, leads to better FIPs than ERAs. Just a hypothesis. Hmm. You should look into that. Someday, I'm sure you will. Maybe some no tomorrow, Russell will. <laughs> yeah, probably before the end of the day, we'll have an answer to that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, Lincecum is the one that I thought of when you said that. I don't know whether he's at that stage yet, but but maybe. And um, Joe Blant- Joe Blanton is a guy <laughs> like that. Yeah, and. Right. I- it's a particular type of pitcher who does it, and it's usually a guy who has uh, some experience mm-hmm. and some, you might say, I don't know, you might say guts or something, but not as much stuff. And mm-hmm. that describes a lot of guys in the decline, right? They, they know how to pitch. They're pitching for their, you know, for their career. They think that they're better than they are maybe even, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't have the stuff anymore. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. All right. End of the show. All right. Uh, We'll be back with another one tomorrow. Please send us your emails at podcast at baseballprospectus.com.